Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Following program produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network, I am the legendary Burl Bear, the man right there, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Thank you. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. I'm over here. Happy Dan Zapansky, host of True Murder, got married. Is that right? Yeah, he did. I Today? saw him and his, and his hot bride. Yeah, congratulations, Dan Zapansky. I wonder if he married a serial killer. Yeah. Barry Flowers wrote the uh, Sex Slave Murders. We had him on the show a few years ago. Uh, good show, great book. Uh, think about our Barry Flowers is he writes more books in more genres than I could ever read in a lifetime. Than you. Than I, well, of course, it takes me forever to write a book. I, I sit there and stare at the screen and watch, uh, you know, go to new porn and <laughs> red tube. Hello. Oh, there you are. Yeah, you yeah, rascal, you. <laughs> I was just praising your your uh, literary talents. How many, have you ever totaled up how many books you've written? I've written about 130 books. That's too many. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think um, I'm trying to slow down a little bit now and spend more time with my wife and uh, try to smell. I think it's all your wife's idea. She said, R. Barry. Does she call you R or does she call you Barry? Uh, Just Barry. She calls you Barry. I think that's her plan. She says, Barry, I got an idea. Named after our former president. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She says, Barry, I got an idea. Write a hundred and some books down in the basement. We'll send you down and, a meal. And don't come up. And don't come up. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, what does she think of the kind of stuff you write? Not the children's books, but I mean... Oh, uh, well, she she likes the fact that I write a variety of things, mysteries, thrillers, uh, true crime, criminology, children's books, uh, young adults. So she thinks that it's, you know, uh, nice to have an assortment of things out there to reach different groups. Yeah, how, how long does it take you to write one of these? About 45 seconds? Uh, <laughs> I'd say about three months. Really? Three months. I've, I've written a book in three months before. I was under heavy pressure, and I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> so I cranked, cranked I locked myself in the Ocean Park Motel on uh, Santa, Santa Monica Boulevard and uh, didn't come out till the book was done. We've been hyping your stuff the past couple of weeks because uh, we were talking about Masters of True Crime. I was on uh, Dan Zapansky's show talking about the Alaska mail bomb conspiracy. We had Camille Kimball on uh, last week talking about uh, her trophy uh, wife uh, story in Masters of True Crime. And now yeah. we have you, the editor of Masters of True Crime. you got a brand-new uh, compendium compilation, Jealous yeah. Rage. Yes. How'd you uh, pick? Studying true tales of intimate passion and murder. Oh, intimate passion and murder. What a combination. <laughs> yes, uh, I think that uh, there's no type of murder like murder involving jealous rage. Yeah, what's the thing about jealous rage? I, I've always thought that jealousy was a form of mental illness. Well, it is to a certain degree. I mean, when you reach the point where you're willing to kill someone because of jealousy and obsession and selfishness, then, you know, there's got to be something loose upstairs. Yeah, I think so. Have you, how would you have never killed anybody in a jealous rage? Uh, no, not that way. Not that way? No. <laughs> Other reasons? <laughs> yeah. So well, what made you, uh, what finally uh, prompted you to decide, I'm going to do a whole book about jealous rage? Well, because uh, I've 
just uh, been keeping track of different murders over the years, over the decades, really, that have involved people uh, finding themselves vengeful uh, because of a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend uh, leaving them or becoming involved with another person even while they were still together and how this uh, has caused so many people to uh, snap. Yeah, that's why they got that, that show you know, snapped. I can't have the person no one else can type thing. Yeah, I had one of those. If I can't have you, no one else can. <laughs> well, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us. Well, you can interview me on Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was uh, 1980 something, and this uh, young lady, very nice young lady, who I, I helped get a gig. I didn't know that she had uh, mental health issues, and that if she went off her meds, you know, and it was just like play Misty for me. She went off her meds, and. Uh, 8,000 letters a day, 125 phone calls a day, and then if I can't have you, no one can. And then uh, she went into the institution, it's just like a play Misty for me. She sent me an apology, a very sincere apology, that she felt horrible about how she'd behaved when she wasn't well, but she was okay now. Then years go by, two, three years, I move, I go to a different city, the phone rings, starts all over again. And by that time, she was married, and I had to talk to her husband and uh, tell fill him in. <laughs> yeah, fill him in. Yeah, and I think it all worked out. So, what what happened? Uh, the the uh, they didn't kill me in a jealous rage. <laughs> it was just that, that I think she got the help she needed, and they lived happily ever after. Good. I hope. <laughs> Unless the phone rings tomorrow. Well, lucky you. Too many other people have become victims, and you know, no turning back, no second chances for them. Yeah. You know, they say that uh, jealousy uh, consumes the liver. You even think about, uh, you know, like uh, envy turns you green. That's yeah. actually physically true. That's why they get that expression, green with envy, because it damages, that, that emotion damages whatever it was, your liver, your pancreas or something, and uh, you get jaundiced and everything, <laughs> turn green. No kidding. No kidding, that's the truth. Well, I get to take that home today. Yeah, take that yeah. home I've always found that the most um, striking thing regarding uh, murder between intimates and jealousy is that the killer loses a proper perspective. When you think about it, if you yeah, I'd say so. someone that because you don't want that person to be with someone else, there's, you know, you've heard that old saying, too many fish in the sea. I mean, there's always someone else for you, so why kill your spouse? Your, yeah, I don't get uh, that. Significant that, other, and then end up going to prison or killing yourself. You know, destroying your life when you could have someone else that might be a perfect fit for you. Well, yeah, it's like Manling Williams. Ever familiar with that case? Uh, Manling Williams was married. She had two kids, and then she starts having an affair with another fellow. Now, all she had to do in real life was go to her husband and say, "Honey, I'm done." You get the kids, I'm out of here. That's it. Instead, she kills the kids. Then she attacks him with a samurai sword 97 times. And after she's chopped him to ribbons, she sits down and writes him a suicide note. As if someone's going to fall, fall for that. Wow. I, mean, it I mean, it's like that thing. Keep it simple. All she had to do was tell him she was leaving and he could have the kids. Instead, she kills everybody. Exactly. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. 
No sense at all. A lot of craziness going on out there. And yeah. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the guy who uh, said his, uh, they took a wicked blood oath, of which there's no such thing, uh, with his girlfriend. And he's, yeah, he's with a sniper rifle parked on the highway trying to shoot her with her boyfriend. Finally killed her. I mean, this is... I mean, these people have got to have a screw loose before that. So anything pleasant to talk about today? Yeah, Bill? what uh, what pleasant thing? How many stories are in this book, 22? Uh, there's uh, about 10 stories. 10, ten would, if you cut them in half, that would make uh, about 22. Um, yes, this is and smart. you know, one of the things that amazed me the most is that a lot of people, when you hear about these types of crimes, people are of the opinion that this type of thing has only been going on for the past few years. No, really, no. these uh, this age-old thing that's gone back hundreds of years. Uh, people never seem to stop uh, finding themselves jealous where it concerns significant others and are willing to uh, do whatever is necessary to either hold on to the person or get revenge for the person. Uh, deciding to but Barry, walk away it, from a relationship or have an affair. Did they ever notice it never works out? If right, they kill the other lover, they don't get the girl or the guy. If right. they kill the, the girl or the guy, then they can go with the lover. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's exactly. no way that it works out right. Right. And yet, it's like a broken record. It continues to happen over and over again. Uh, but one very interesting case to uh, reflect this is the case of Representative Daniel Sickle, way back in 1859. That was a good year. Yes. Uh, we, with all the craziness going on in politics today, uh, that is something that's been around uh, when you combine politics and murder for a long time. Yeah. And uh, his case of... Uh, he uh, murdered his uh, wife's lover, Philip Barton Key II, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia. Wow. And uh, in the process, Pickles became the first person to use the temporary insanity defense. Did it work temporarily? It did work, yes. He was uh, released on the grounds that he was temporarily out of it. And therefore, he didn't uh, was given a pass for his. So he got to kill her and got it, away with it. Yes, he got away with it. Kind of like Solieri and Mozart. Yes, he not only got away with it, but he went on to become a Civil War hero for the Union, and uh, lived a nice long life, well into his nineties. Uh, but his young wife, uh, his uh, uh, the lover of his. Wife died at 40 mm. years old. So he could have just he, waited him out. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it could have, but, but he got away with it, huh? Yes. He was able to uh, use the fact that he sort of, he went with the, not only the temporary insanity defense, but my um, house is a home, you know, I have to protect my wife, the sanctity of the marriage. And that type of thing that the jury also was uh, taken by that in those days that, you know, if you, you know, thought he was doing a good deed by helping her, a lot of uh, 
young women from Ireland and elsewhere were coming to the U.S. in those days as a place to earn a living. Uh, but unfortunately, in her case, uh, she decided she wanted more than just a place she wanted to the doctor. Uh, collect money. Well, when, she, when she murdered the doctor's wife, the doctor yes. probably was unimpressed. Definitely not impressed with that. <laughs> he objected uh, he, to this, right? Right. Uh, well, he, it, as it turns out, uh, her affection for him was one-sided. Oh. First, uh, the defense was trying to imply that it was a mutual interest, that he actually may have been involved in his wife's murder, but uh, the case bore out. Uh, it came to terms with the fact that she was, it was all in her head, Bridget, and she... So she was, as, as the technical term, a bissel mashuga, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the, a bissel uh, and a peck. And unfortunately for her, the price was very high for what she did because she was executed. Oh. For her. Well, how did they execute her back in those days, the 1800s? Yes, I mean, they didn't fool around then. She was uh, put out, hung, uh, before she, you know, could even... Uh, Raise an appeal. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was just it's amazing how different things are today. Uh, when you can do so many things and uh, go the rest of your life really without even if you're on death row. Yeah. Uh, you well, I, I'd rather the, have him live on the death row than execute an innocent person. That always bugs absolutely. me. Absolutely, yes. I agree with you there. Definitely um, you don't want to have anyone executed only to learn later that the person was innocent. Yeah, that really bums me out. Yes, uh, that's depressing. Uh, moving forward, uh, do you have any uh, in there that are more contemporary that have uh, been in the, say, like the 50s or yeah, 60s or Yeah, something out of the 1800s, if that's okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, there's uh, the most recent one is uh, the case of the football star uh, Steve McNair. In 2009, his girlfriend, Sahi Kazemi, uh, murdered him so that he wouldn't, even though he was married at the time, but the two of them were living together, and she shot him to death and then shot herself, make sure that the two of them would be together forever. Well, she should have shot herself first. Right. <laughs> and she, it was interesting, the police said that she, she shot him while he was asleep on the couch, and it said she, uh, the police said she sat next to him and tried to shoot herself in the side of the head so she fell on to him and you know they could sort of die uh, that way in some sort of loving that's uh, that's so romantic right instead <laughs> she fell on the floor so it didn't quite work out that way no she missed <laughs> that's a that is so bizarre it's kind of like she, Romeo she, and Juliet if she only knew yeah right I remember who the comedian was, but he used to do the thing with the, how people are so depressed and the guy, guy comes home and finds his wife in bed with someone else and he puts a gun to his head and they laugh at him and he says, don't laugh, you're next. <laughs> uh-huh, okay. Uh, it sounds like this jealous rage thing obviously has been going on for a long time and it's, it never works out well except for the guy with the one leg. Uh, yeah, he was... Uh, Stumping for public office. 
Get on, bump. Another interesting uh, case I wrote about was regarding Buddy Jacobson, the uh, horse trainer who was big in horse training uh, earlier in his life, but he, in 1978, uh, he ended up being convicted of uh, murdering his uh, girlfriend's lover. Uh, his girlfriend was a model that uh, he, the two of them had an on and off again relationship, but it was off at that time, but apparently he wanted it back on. And so I guess the best way uh, to try to do that in his mind perhaps was to get rid of the other guy. Um, but that didn't work out. No kidding, that didn't work out for him? <laughs> but I mean, has it ever worked out? I mean, it never works out. It never worked but, out. Uh, I've got a great idea. I'll kill somebody, and boy, she'll love me forever for that. Right. But in something straight out of the movies, uh, Jacobson engineered an escape from jail after he was, uh, before he could be formally sentenced, he had some friend uh, come in to take his place in jail and they changed clothes and he left, walked right out the door in Brooklyn and ended up in California for a few weeks on the run with another young girlfriend mm. for eventually being recaptured. They caught him, huh? Yeah. You know, it was an interesting little, you maybe probably know this little true crime fact. When people commit murder and they run away, where they run away to is so predictable that the cops go there and wait for him. You know where that is? Right. Las Vegas, Nevada. Vegas. Yes. For okay. some reason, people think that if they commit murder, they can run away to Las Vegas and no one will find them. But it's so predictable, that's the first place they look for them. Well, the uh, city that never sleeps, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Any particular hotel, Burrow? No, they just... Then there was that serial killer from back east went to Las Vegas because he figured they wouldn't catch him there. And a guy sitting in a pizza restaurant and recognizes the guy from having seen his picture on TV. He calls the uh, Vegas police and says, uh, the serial killer from New Jersey, wherever he is, is sitting in, you know, Joe's Pizza Parlor here in Vegas. And they went, oh, no, 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 of course not. Uh, he's, uh, according to all our information, he's still back east. The guy says, well, according to my information, he's sitting across from me eating a pepperoni pizza. The guy follows the serial killer to find out where he's staying. By then, they figure out, hey, this guy's not BSing us, and they catch the guy. But at first, they gave him an argument. Double cheese and pepperoni? Or yeah, double cheese and pepperoni. That was the giveaway. It was the jalapenos and the uh, pineapple. <laughs> but uh, that, that's strange. But the other weird thing, Barry, uh, you're a criminologist, is people also think that if they have counterfeit money or counterfeit money orders, they can get rid of them in Las Vegas, which is really stupid because the United States Secret Service has their biggest office in Las Vegas to catch, <laughs> to catch those people who are so stupid to think that. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, that stupidity and criminality seem to be closely correlated. <laughs> yes, I, I believe so. <laughs> uh, I heard an interesting story just the other day. A, uh, a woman of leisure, shall we say. Uh, goes to a uh, a date with a gentleman in the hotel, and he's got the money in uh, in a you know an envelope for her, 
but he keeps like holding off giving it to her so she's holding off giving it to him <laughs> but she's just about to go well okay i've seen the envelope full of money maybe i go into the on the door it's the hotel manager saying you paid us in counterfeit bills <laughs> she goes oh i'm out of here she paid i'm calling the police she gives the guy five bucks not to call the police till she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, life is full of exciting stories. A lot of counterfeit money going around. Do you realize that if a counterfeit bill is passed in the United States within 24 hours, every Secret Service agent in America knows the history on the bill and most likely where it came from? Yes, uh, that's certainly um, exercise and futility for anyone that decides to get involved in world of counterfeit money. Once upon a time, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah counterfeit money is, uh, oh, you know the expression, it's uh, crackers to slip a rosa the dropsy and snide from Mad Magazine. They used to say that all the time. It's crackers to slip a rosa the dropsy and snide. What that means, in your cockney slang, is it's crazy to pay off a cop in counterfeit money. <laughs> How about that? Did we lose you, Barry? Oh, no, I'm still oh, okay. here. You're just stunned. It's all right. <laughs> well, that wasn't your best story, bro. It was, it was a true story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, give us another one. We're ready. Then we'll talk oh, about okay. the slave murders. So, uh, you may be familiar with Spade Cooley, the big band leader from the 40s and 50s. Uh, well, in April of 1961, he beat to death his wife, Ella Mae Cooley, she was a former vocalist with this band uh, out of jealousy um, because he suspected she was having an affair. So he went berserk and uh, beat her to death right in front of their daughter, young daughter. And, uh, she eventually uh, testified for the prosecution against him. I bet. And he was convicted and uh, Unfortunately for him, you know, his career as a musician, and he was a, a variety show host as well in mm -hmm. television, all that sort of moved to the background. It can really ruin and, your career when you commit murder. Right, exactly. That's why I've never done it. I don't yes, know my career is uh, gone. <laughs> and then uh, toward the end of his sentence, he was let out of jail for a 72-hour furlough to sing at a at a uh, music <laughs> concert, and he ended up having a heart attack, and uh, so there ended his career and life. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. I had one of those, didn't either, end either one of them. <laughs> I'm pretty crafty that way. But I've never killed anybody in a jealous rage. Well, that's good. It better keep, make sure you don't, bro. It's <laughs> not a pretty picture afterwards. <laughs> no, it's not. He still talks about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a toss-up. Do I kill Dan Zapansky or Ron Chepsik? <laughs> because we're having true crime shows. There's a lot of new true crime shows on now, more yeah, than ever. I've been on uh, Dan's show several times, so I know he's enjoying the good married life. Oh, now. yeah. Yeah, I hope there's no jealous rage goes on there. That's right, yes. We don't, don't want that. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know, there's uh, so, so many strange motivations for murder. I was uh, speaking of Dan Zapansky, his book uh, Trophy Kill, the uh, Shall We Dance Murders. 
And yeah. through the strangest motives, the guy commits this horrifying crime because he wants to be known as the worst murderer in the history of Canada. He wants the award. And well, oh, that's that's very Canadian of him. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a competition. <laughs> Apparently, it is up there. Yeah. And uh, he won. He did get the award for the worst murderer. Good book. Terrible murder. And, you know, they didn't have that law up there yet where uh, a killer can't uh, profit from a book. You know, he got all of Dan and wanted to do this book, and he split the money. Because it was still legal. <laughs> they changed the law quickly. Very quickly. It seems like um, no matter how many people fill the prisons and jails across the country, there uh, doesn't seem to be much there that's stopping other people from... No, as a deterrent, it doesn't work too well when people are nuts. Right, that's true. <laughs> I mean, if I've, I have this theory that anyone who commits murder, whether it's in a jealous blind rage or with full frontal nudity or, you know, pre-planning, uh, there's got to be something wrong there somewhere. Rational human beings don't murder people. That, that is true, and that's why um, that's why people often associate murder with mental illness because it just it's, it's outside the norm. The normal person simply, if for no other reason, they'll be too concerned about the consequences of their actions. Yeah, but research shows, as you know, being a criminologist, that. Fear of punishment is not what keeps people from doing bad things. Right. The book that you wrote that still, I think, is one of the... I mean, the book's good, but the story is horribly creepy. And I understand that's the sex slave murders. If people buy Jealous Rage, do they get some bonus material? Yes, absolutely, yes. What's the bonus um, material? Uh, well, there's uh, different... Some of my other books uh, that I've got out there uh, Mother True Crime and uh, I did a book on Jack the Ripper and other uh, serial killers uh, that caused the dreadful acts of Jack the Ripper uh, that one book that people get to see some excerpts of that and uh, I have some other books. Uh, I have a book that I did called Murders in the United States in which it talks about different types of murders in the 20th century. Uh, every type of murder you can think of, bro, um, I talk about in that book. <laughs> every kind of murder. How many kinds are there? You know, kind of like on oh, Yom well, Kippur. For, for, for sins that are committed by murder, by hanging, murder by ropes, murder by guns, murder by knives. Yes, oh, well, you know, serial killers, uh, kidnapping-related uh, murders that occurred uh, in the Old West or during the uh, Depression era. So, you know, for the uh, book covers the last, the 20th century. So you could imagine, you know, just how many types of murders, you know, there was like, for example, John Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde. I'll tell you, I watched Kill the Irishman last night, which is on Netflix. And, uh, and they were blowing, this is about, what, uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, wherever the hell it was. They're blowing everybody up with car bombs. I mean, more car bombs went off 
in one month in the entire history of the world. He's just blowing everybody up. So I hope you got a section there on car bombs. Yes, absolutely, yes. And uh, political uh, murders, you know, like uh, assassination of John Kennedy yeah. and Martin Luther King. Now, i got a question for you. Let's go back to the sex slave murders. Okay. That was one of the creepiest stories in the history of the world. Yes, absolutely. The uh, sex slave murders, uh, Gerald and Charlene Gallego, uh, they conjured up these sex play fantasies and the only way to make them work was to have some victims so they could put their plans into action and so uh, they centered their eyes on young teenagers uh, female and young women in their 20s and uh Charlene Gallego would act as the lure, going to shopping centers and um, amusement parks, uh, offering girls and young women uh, opportunity to get high out in the parking lot or pass off flyers. And back in those days, in the 70s, uh, mid to late 70s, early 80s, it was pretty easy to get people to come out from malls or restaurants, uh, anywhere they could, and uh, once they got outside, Gerald was always waiting with his, one of his many guns he collected, and uh, they had their van, and then, while well, she's driving often, Charlene, so they go, uh, Gerald would do his despicable acts. Have, have sex with the girl the whether she wanted to have sex or not. Right. But what part that really got me was, then he'd kill him, of course, but there was one apparently that was so good that he didn't kill her. He kept her around. And then you have a jealous rage on the part of his wife. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, uh, Charlene was, in many respects, she was even worse than Gerald in the sense that, I mean, he was the brute. There's no getting around that in... Uh, despicable in every which way, but because she was demure, attractive, you know, a, good, a great lure for others, uh, they were unsuspecting in uh, her flirtations and uh, getting them to fall prey to her charms. And unfortunately, that ended up resulting in the deaths of 10 people. When all was said and done. Yeah, and she killed one of them with her bare hands or something, the one that he liked, the one that he didn't kill. Yes, um, they, the two of them together were certainly uh, one of history's worst serial killer couples. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, but the thing that was most frustrating with the Gallegos was that, and I could never imagine this happening today, but Charlene was able to, with her lawyers, negotiate a plea bargain where she would serve 16 and three-quarters years behind bars to testify against Gerald. So he gets the death penalty, and she gets out in 16 years, and 10 people are dead, including one who was four months pregnant. Oh, that's not good. Well, that's like this uh, case that uh, was on uh, Deadly Sins 
the battling hookers, where the, uh, the one is very jealous in a jealous rage over the other and uh, has her murdered, blames it on her boyfriend. Uh, she cuts a deal where she gets 10 years if she testifies against him. He gets 50 years. Her story changes and changes and changes. His story never changed one word from beginning to end, and I believe he was completely innocent. I don't think he was even there. But he's still he's serving 50 years, and she was out in 10. Because she cut a deal to testify against him, put it all on him. And for my investigation of the case, and I'm not, you know, going to win any awards for this, but... His innocence seems to scream from the pages of research so loud that you wonder how the hell he got 50 years. Did you ever pass this on to the Innocence Project? Yeah, yeah. Someone should pass it on to you. Uh, well, how about you? Uh, yes, I think I brought it up. Uh, someone, I know, yeah, someone else asked me about that. They wanted to uh, pick that case up and go after and try to get that guy uh, released because it seemed pretty obvious that he was a patsy. In that where, where was this? This was up in uh, Tacoma, Washington. That was a strange one. Tacoma has a strange history, Barry. Uh, <laughs> if you go back far enough, you had... Uh, there's an uh, uh, army base up there, Fort Lewis. No one was allowed to go into Tacoma because it was the VD, what they now call STD, uh, Venereal Disease Capital of America. And so no service people were allowed to go there. The brothels, whorehouses that we use in common terminology... We're owned and operated by the chief of police, <laughs> who also had a task force to uh, shut them down. There was a vice squad. So you had a war in the police department between the mayor and the police chief who ran this stuff and the vice squad that was supposed to stop it. <laughs> how'd, how'd that work out? It didn't work out very well. <laughs> Those things never work out well. I mean, a certain degree of corruption can be useful. But that's taking it a little too far. So we've got... Another uh, excerpt I put at the back of Jealous Rage Burrow was uh, from a short story, historical short story I wrote last year called Murder During the Chicago World Fair. Oh. It's about, about the killing of a, a, young, a seven-year-old girl named Emma Werner. And the interesting thing about it was that it happened right during the World Fair mm -hmm. uh, in 1893 in... Chicago, and it was also at the same time that uh, Henry Mudgett, right. Herman Mudgett, rather, was uh, Devil in White City. a serial killer, and then it also fell within that range of when the uh, uh, person was killed by the, uh, the mayor, actually was murdered, assassinated by a guy named Patrick Pendergrass during that same time. So I was... Uh, that was all because of the World's Fair. If it hadn't been for the World Fair, yeah, people the would be World's Fair today. just drove people crazy <laughs> in uh, Chicago during that year. So I sort of interspersed those together in one story. And it is part of the bonus material and if people yes, get jealous rage? Rage, yes. A heck of a deal. Yes, they get a hell of a lot of murders for the price of one. Right. <laughs> Matt likes that. Uh, I always like I gotta make Matt laugh at least once once a week. 
No. Uh, have you added up how many murders are in this entire package that people can get? Uh, too many. <laughs> too many. Uh, Very I good think, answer. I hope it doesn't unsettle people, but uh, unfortunately, part of the world we murder? live in. Yeah. Is there a prorated cost per murder, Matt? What's to know? Right. <laughs> You've never had so many murders at such a bargain price. Wait, there's more. <laughs> if you order today, that's right. You get two additional murders for free. <laughs> I think you get more than that. You get. Did he, did he get the sex slave murders also? Yes, he gets a uh, nice excerpt from the sex slave murders, and uh, also uh, excerpt from the uh, sex uh, the. Uh, book called uh, Murders in the United States, uh, Crimes, Killers, and Victims of the 20th Century, and then I uh, excerpt from one called The Dreadful Acts of Jack the Ripper and Other True Tales of Serial Murder and Prostitutes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good topic. You have the one, uh, the uh, pig farmer from uh, Canada? The Canadian, remember the Canadian pig farmer? Yes. He was not a pleasant fellow. You know, when people, we, we had uh, Stevie Cameron, uh, who wrote the huge, enormous, uh, definitive book on that case. And uh, what I found fascinating is that the cops knew who he was doing it, and they didn't do anything about it. Why they, is that? They said, well, they had a couple reasons. One, they said, it's too expensive, we're not well-trained enough, and uh, we just don't know how to handle it. Uh, <laughs> who cares, anyway? I mean, people were. They, I mean, they actually knew that he was killing these people, eighty some people. And I always thought he's a pig farmer. I thought maybe the guy was poor or something. No, that's lucrative. It was a multi-million-dollar business. The guy had. He was very, very wealthy. And uh, you know, there were even women who were going up there looking for their friends, and they, you know, see him hanging on a meat hook or something, and and they go run to the police. They go, yeah, we know. Finally, they got so much pressure. They brought in. Uh, uh, experts, profilers, and everything for the United States petitioned the government. Why don't you do something? Finally, the Canadian government said, uh, "Excuse me, uh, Vancouver, <laughs> you, you, you can't just keep this going on." And so finally, they did something about it. But that, uh, you know, that the uh, they say that one of the reasons why these serial killers pick prostitutes is they figure they can get away with it. Right. As a matter of fact, in the in the dreadful acts of Jack the Ripper and other sales of serial murder and prostitutes. I talk about the Edmonton serial killer uh, that was uh, going on from, I mean, multiple killers, they believe, the authorities from the 1970s, early, mid-1970s to the early 2000s, uh, dozens of prostitutes in Edmonton were murdered in different ways, and uh, the authorities believe that there are multiple, uh, have been multiple serial killers that worked during that time, but the scary thing is they haven't really been able to close many of the cases. So you get uh, lots of prostitutes dead and uh, few, very few people behind bars associated with those murders. Yeah, you know, what Spokane did, which was very smart, which, uh, you know, because you had the Spokane serial killer, Robert Lee Yates, who was killing people in uh, Spokane County and across the other side of the state in Pierce County. Spokane County went down to where all the, the prostitutes and drug dealers were and said, Hi, we know you hate the police, but we've got good news for you today. We don't care what drugs you're selling. We don't care that you're a prostitute. We're dealing with murder. 
and murder takes precedence over everything else. So we want you to help us catch this guy because you could be the next victim. And that was very smart. He said, it's King's X, we're not going to go after you now or later for anything you're doing. We just want you to help us catch the killer. And they did. Well, meanwhile, over in Tacoma and Pierce County, they wouldn't go along with that. No, they weren't, no. Why, no. why wouldn't they go along with that? Well, that just goes against our grain. I see. <laughs> but uh, that was very smart. Uh, and also, they never referred to the victims as prostitutes. Well, they referred to them as women of high-risk lifestyles. Ah, which is very smart. Correct BS chart. Well, it's a, it was a good way to phrase it. Because some people looked at it at the standpoint of, well, as long as he's killing them, that's okay. That's our buffer between him and us real people, as if they're not real people with, you know, kids and everything else. So when they changed the name, that cleared it up? Well, uh, it didn't so much clear it up. But I'll tell you, it's interesting. They did open a, uh, a shelter because some of these women were homeless, right, and that's how they were staying alive, is the way it was is that if you wanted to go into a homeless shelter and you were female, you had to be clean and sober. But if you weren't clean and sober, they wouldn't let you in, which meant you were out there on the street being perfect fodder for the serial killer. So when uh, it was finally advocated, listen, this is crazy. You know, you got to have a, a homeless shelter for people who aren't clean and sober to keep them alive. So they did. They opened it, thank God, and the minute they caught the killer and charged him, the city wanted to close the homeless shelter for people who weren't clean and sober. Fortunately, Volunteers for America stepped in and kept it open. Isn't it interesting they wanted to close it the minute they caught the killer? It's just, I don't understand the thinking behind that, but what do I know? I'm just a very strong Puritan. Whatever you say, Mark. Very strong Puritan. (laughs) Strong people. Well, let the Puritans deal with it. The Puritans have been dead longer than the prostitutes. Yeah, but the the, uh, the morality. Oh, only in America. Although, Barry, wasn't it in Canada where these two guys murdered a prostitute and the judge let them go because she was a prostitute? Remember that case? Right. Yeah, he got fired finally over that. But that was his ruling. He gave him three years suspended sentence that it was okay for them to kill her because she was a prostitute. He lost his job. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Good thinking, Judge. God, you got to wonder how some people think in this thing. So what project are you working on now for the next 90 days? <laughs> well, I just actually had, I had a psychological suspense novel. It just came out literally uh, yesterday. It's oh, called a Kauai a Killer. A <laughs> minute and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, sort of plays on the jealous race theme of a. It's about a wife who is suspicious of her husband being unfaithful. She can't prove it, but she just has this gut feeling that right. he's not being on the up and up with her uh, in the marriage. And so she snaps at one point, and uh, lots of twists and turns happens from that point on as the husband is. Uh, finds himself on trial for her murder. Oh, plot thickens. Yes, and he's got to... He knows he's innocent, but no one else does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a common problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, he's uh, got like to, the, uh, to extricate himself from a very difficult situation and get to the bottom of why it's happening. Our friend Fred Wolfson, the uh, former private detective and security expert, 
He had a client who was uh, uh, the the husband of a well-known starlet, so to say, movie actress. He was absolutely sure that she was having an affair with her uh, personal trainer. And so he hires Fred to check into it. And Fred says, everything, uh, all my research shows she's not having an affair with the trainer. He still insists this is going on. He insists that they put hidden cameras. Everywhere. The guy's just totally paranoid about this. So finally he confronts his wife about this. And she goes, you idiot. I'm not having sex with my personal trainer. One good reason, we've been friends for 30 years, and the other is he's gay. Oh, well, then she comes home one day, and who does she find in bed with the trainer? Her husband. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. Yes, you never can tell. When it comes to love triangles, uh, any combination is <laughs> That's possible. Right, the square root of the hypotenuse. And any result as well. <laughs> hey, do you know that the Wizard of Oz, when... Uh, Scarecrow rattles off the square root of the hypotenuse is equal to blah, blah, blah. That's wrong. <laughs> Thank goodness. So what, so what a braid he had he is that it was one. totally incorrect. And who, 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 who came up with that? Ray Bolger. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and the original guy to play the Tin Man had to bow out. Buddy Epson was allergic. Yeah, yeah. Buddy Epson, right? The paint, yes. No, Buddy Epson was the, uh, the uh, Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Oh, okay. The guy who originally... Tin Man. He was allergic to the paint. Yes, the guy actor was allergic to the paint of the Tin Man, and he had to be replaced by the guy who was actually in the film. How about that? Oh, I thought that was Buddy Epson. Oh. It was Buddy Epson. No, Buddy... Buddy Epson was allergic to the paint. He was in the so he played the Scarecrow instead. No, he wasn't oh. in the movie. He wasn't in the movie. At all. Oh, that's right. What's his name played the Scarecrow? Who played the Scarecrow? Mark, who played oh, the Scarecrow? No. Who played the Scarecrow? Jack Haley. Ray and Bolger. Duff. Ray Bolger. Thank you, Matt. Jack Haley was the Tin Man. And Oz never did nothing to the Tin Man. The Tin Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's two times. <laughs> well, at least Buddy Epstein did the job with Barnaby Jones. Yeah, he sure did. Well, thank goodness that happened. Yeah, boy, I was worried about that. <laughs> but then he, he spent some time in Beverly Hills before. Yeah, he was in Beverly Hills before. That's where he got his private eye license. Was, right. <laughs> was in Beverly Hills after he came out uh, from shooting some food. Right. <laughs> at Umpump. What was the original title of that? I watched the original pilot for Beverly Hillbillies. It was called something else originally. Like uh, Hillbillies from somewhere else moved to Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's so hard to keep track of these. It's really difficult. And why would I? Hey, you know what? I would really like uh, our berry flowers. What does yeah. the R stand for? You just put that on the front like my Uncle Israel. Uh, said his his name was uh, I.J. Bear because his name was Israel Bear and, and uh, we lived in an anti-Semitic town so he changed his name to I.J. No one, someone said, what does the J stand for? He said, Jesus. <laughs> That's show business. Uh, we should do another Masters of True Crime because Absolutely. I love those. I love Absolutely. the royalty checks. Yes, I think that would be great for all. We certainly... Uh Really did a great job with you, me, and Camille, oh, yeah. and Catherine, Catherine Ramsland, and Harold Schechter. You uh, got, I was a great company in that book. Boy, I was really an honor to be in that one. Yeah, that was the who's who of true crime greats. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm in the who's who of true crime greats. The great on your nerves. Uh, Including uh, Mr. Burl Bearer. Yeah, that's right. 
top of the heap. Uh, Burrow, <laughs> Chad B. Scott. I was going to be the hillbilly preserve too. But what's he saying? Get on the microphone there, will you please? Uh... It was supposed to be the hillbillies of Beverly Hills. Ah. But uh, on the pilot, the Clampett strike old. Old. Oil. Yes. That was the name. Clampett's strike oil. Clampett strike oil. Well, then, well there you then, go. There we go. See, just when you think you got it all figured out, the Clampett strike oil. Say goodbye to our guest. Hey, Barry, our Barry Flowers. Yes. Jealous rage. People buy it, read it, believe it, get all the bonus material. Uh, and let's do another Masters of True Crime so I get more checks in the mail. Absolutely. I think we'll try to make that happen, bro. I'm sure that uh, with your being in it and myself and some of those other greats, I uh, can't move. Great. There you go. Thanks a lot, Thanks Barry. a lot, Barry. Hey, bro. Yeah. What's next? Magic Matt Allen, the Demons of Decadence, live in the Light Up Lounge, and Radio Live.com. <laughs>